Muxpout. What up, guys? Welcome to the Muxpout podcast. Um, we got Ben with me. How's it going? <laughs> uh, John is out today on some personal matters, so um, you should see him again soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, how you doing, Ben? Uh, I'm good. Yeah, I've had a busy week. Um, we're almost finished all the uh, the framing side of construction on the Primal Note Studio, so things are starting to develop fairly quickly. I'm going to be at a sprint for a while, <laughs> so yeah. I'm just kind of like taking some relaxation time while I still have it. And my birthday was last week, so I, right. I earned some relaxation as well. <laughs> Congratulations yeah. on another birthday. Yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal when you get uh, close to 40. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have nice. been 40 again. <laughs> yeah, and you were uh, you were on the road, weren't you? I was on the road. I just got back from uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and... Um, the Billy Ireland Comic and uh, Cartoon Art Museum um, out in Ohio, cool. both out in Ohio, um, and the Christmas Story uh, House. Oh shit! With the with the lamp, with the leg lamp. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we, we went. So the the um, Aaron Water Show was going on in Cleveland this weekend, and uh, it's literally the beachfront, and then the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like in the middle of it all. And so wow. it was like, we we knew that was going on. We were hoping that it wouldn't affect things. And all of a sudden we were in this crazy long line, like of people just inching their way into the, this airport. Yeah. Um, so we ended up tur- turning and going around a back way and coming up into the parking garage and actually ended up being smooth after that. Oh, nice. But, um, but we, so we went to the rock and roll hall of fame. I'll show a video on that. We can talk about that in a little bit, but, um, then we went out to, for some Chinese in Asia Town, in Cleveland, and we're sitting there. And somehow the that the Christmas Story house came up, and we were like, you know what? Let's go. <laughs> we have time. It's like nice. ten minutes away. So, yeah. So we got to go check out the leg lamp, and mm-hmm. uh, it's actually so they do a tour, and it's actually three houses, and like they own like this because they, they so they have the they have the Christmas Story house. This is totally not punk rock, but I'm going to go there anyways. <laughs> <laughs> they have the Christmas story house. Then next door, they have the Bumpus house. And then across the street, they have like a gift shop house that has a museum next to it and stuff with um, memorabilia and things. It was fun. Cool. <laughs> I can't I, I can't think of anything more punk rock than, than <laughs> going to uh, an old Christmas movie house. To look at leg lamps and buy merch. <laughs> the fucking bumpuses, <laughs> man. Those... <laughs> Actually, there was some pretty punk rock shit in that movie. Like, uh, you know, when the guy got his eye taken out by the BB gun. All right. That's yeah. pretty cool. The uh, <laughs> crazy uh, smoke monster in the basement. The furnace yeah. thing going on. Yeah, that was all right. Yeah. <laughs> Actually watched that for the first time. Uh, it was, oh man, it was a while ago. 2015 20 yeah 2014 2015 something like that and there had been a huge ice storm in toronto Mm. taking out the power and uh my my girlfriend and i we just started dating basically like a few months before that and uh when the power went out she had a great aunt up on the east end of the city that like you know she had no access to to, uh to water or food and she was on like the ninth floor and there's no elevators right and she's she was in her 70s. She's in her, no, 80s, I think. I think she's in her 90s now. It's getting crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we went over there and gave her food and then went and saw a Christmas um, a Christmas story. And at the end of the movie, there's that big ice storm. And everybody in the crowd was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> 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 close to home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was... It was a fun, uh, fun trip though. We cool. We packed in a lot. Actually, I had yeah, my I first know. like official British food I've ever had. I've, oh like, really? Yeah. There's like this in the middle of Indiana. There's like this British restaurant, and um, so what is British food like? I, I had fish are we and chips. haggis with gravy on it, or <laughs> I had fish and chips. Which okay, I mean, most of the time you get fish and st- fish and chips. It's like those fish sticks, like nothing right. 
but this was like real like fish like fried with the breading and you got to come to canada man that's the only way we do it here <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> i don't think i i didn't eat right when i was in canada like i went to mama's pizza a bunch in, Tor in toronto that was um, pretty good it was just cheap but... we were we were young and it was, yeah we had the 525 for a molson and a pizza <laughs> nice so, yeah that was yeah, that there's was some killer food here yeah, especially in the last few years, it's really blown up. Um, but uh, that's also not punk rock. We should talk about music. No. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, big news this week was uh, no effects. You want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, this is like also like the least punk rock way for like information to come out about something. Apparently, Fat Mike made a comment on somebody else's comment on instagram i think or something <laughs> they asked um when are you coming or why do you hate canada i think it was actually and he was like like when are you going to come back to canada and he was like um right now we're actually planning our exit like we're done after 2023 and um well, and then that kind of blew up everywhere i bet yeah those guys have been around how long have they been around when did they start jeez had to be the early, I mean, early nineties at the latest, right? Gotta be something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like maybe even late eighties possibly. Uh, yeah. It's hard. It's all a blur. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? um, yeah. They've been a fixture for a long time. Um, were you into no effects back in the day? Not terribly. Um, I think like I, I would hear them, but like I was, it was like, you know, Bad Religion and Green Day and um, there's some stuff that I got into. I think that some of the other stuff was a little, the message was a little more substantial maybe. And sure. No Effects was kind of a parody of punk sometimes. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a band here in Toronto called 30 Going On 13 that remind me a lot of that old 90s No Effects kind of sound. Yeah. Um, but they're a legit parody band. Like they okay. dress like 13 year olds <laughs> and talk about, uh, like they have a song called shut up Becky. They have another song uh, that's uh, drunk at the mall. I think it is. So it's just like completely just taking the piss out of that, that period in punk rock. And they're fantastic. My personal feeling on like bands, like no effects kind of calling it quits is, you know, I'm a musician, but I'm also a lot of other shit. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know how long you have to be no effects before you can just kind of move on with your life and do some other shit. And they've been doing it for a long ass time. So right. I'm sure they're not just no effects at this point. They're dads right. and they probably have other jobs and other businesses that they're interested in pursuing. You know, like I, I think to Offspring, where like, you know, the origin of Offspring was a bunch of guys that were in university and huge nerds and they wanted to start a punk rock band to kind of prove that nerds are cool too right but you know noodles has a phd and like i don't know like biochemistry or something right and uh you know the the lead singer has a phd as well so like you know music was just the thing they were doing they they had they had other goals so it doesn't i I'm happy that they're they're making an exit on their own terms, kind of, and they didn't get canceled or some shit. But right, you know, I they've had plenty of room so to big. get canceled too. Yeah, <laughs> music is so big and broad, and it's always evolving. So I, I just don't have nostalgia. You know, I'm not a sentimental person. So when bands break up, I'm always like, okay, see ya. <laughs> uh, I actually am a super nostalgic person, so mm. I'm kind of the opposite in that way. Fair um, enough. Like uh, when Jawbreaker got back together, like, I don't know, five years ago now, like I was so stoked because it had been like 26 years and I was sitting there waiting for that that whole time. <laughs> so, <Wow. laughs> so I, <laughs> I am the, do you get obsessed with bands? Is that the deal? Um, some like Jawbreaker is definitely one that like, I love everything they do and, um, I will go see them every chance I get. Actually, one of my um, road trips that I've done, like in terms of rock and punk, was a road trip from Chicago to New Jersey after they reunited uh, to see them again because they weren't coming around here soon enough. 
So I drove across country to go see them. At uh, how long a trip was that? <laughs> so I want to say it was like supposed to be like a fourteen-hour trip or something, but ended up taking like twenty-one hours to get to Jersey because we stopped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Stop for anything interesting, or just you had to take a bunch oh. of dumps. Oh yeah, dumps. <laughs> uh, actually, that, um, we we came through uh, Columbus, and so we actually stopped. That was the first time I ever went to the Billy Ireland uh, Cartoon and Comic Art Museum. Oh, cool! So we actually popped in there for like a couple hours. Um, check that Sweet. place out. Um, and then, yeah, then just a lot of stopping because just stretching the legs and shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah. It was like, yeah, 21 hours later, we pulled up. I was falling asleep. It was bad. But, oh, you did it all in one go. You didn't even take, yeah, the, like, like, I would pull over my car and slept. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get there. Uh, it was actually, so it was the day before my birthday. They were playing um, in Jersey. And then we went to, like, um, we had plans for, like, New York City the next day. We went and checked out the Amityville Horror House. Oh, uh, cool. Like, um Went out to what growing up, I was big into like paranormal and stuff. So, the uh, I loved the the Jersey Devil stories in New Jersey, right? So, we went into like the woods over there, like the morning of the Jawbreaker concert. Like, very cool, get a lot when we go places. <laughs> yeah, I found some creepy shit, uh, in uh, southwestern Ontario with a cousin of mine. Uh, shout out to Brad Thorpe if he's listening. Um, like it's forever ago, and like. I've always been really into paranormal stuff and into sort of conspiracy theory stuff. Uh-huh. And it's uh, hanging out with my cousin, Brad. I hadn't seen him in years and years. And like, we were, we were little kids the last time we hung out and then all of a sudden we're adults spending time together. And he was like, you want to go see something creepy? I was like, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> and we drove out. Oh, I don't know. It had to be like 45 minutes out in, out into the, the woods. And then he was like, he kind of like pulled into this trail and then parked the car and he was like, follow me. And he pulled two flashlights out. And I was like, oh, this is legit. Yeah. And we went through and there was stuff hanging in the trees that was like all like it 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 looked like someone had been performing a ceremony. That's wild. We found bones on the ground at one point, like animal bones, but still, like, you know, it was just like, what is going on here? Middle of tobacco country. I was like, <laughs> it's very strange. And then we drove home. <laughs> and uh yeah. I've been haunted ever since. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's always been one of my uh, one of my side things was paranormal stuff. Like, yeah. well, like I did the Dulce comics. Um, right. Totally. Yeah. And, and then I did, uh, I was one of the hosts on Strange Tales Weekly for a little over a year. We did a bunch of episodes of that on YouTube. Um, Very cool. I didn't know that. So, yeah. It's, uh, Who'd you do that with? My friends Jess Rogie and my uh, buddy Joe. Um, cool. We were, yeah, we did um, weekly. We we did like these segments, kind of. They were kind of inspired by um, by unsolved mysteries, but like we do like mm. a generally about a two minute segment, and we post it online about different um, paranormal or you know alien or whatever, something in that genre. Joe did cool. a lot of conspiracy stuff that was fun. Um, or scary as hell. <laughs> uh, what's of, your favorite? What's your favorite conspiracy? Oh man, there's so like many. the one that you're like, I don't know, that sounds legit. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Dulce had me at times, but mm. it was it's pretty far fetched. Um, yeah, I've always actually. You want to go into that? Huh? What, what is what is Dulce? So it's like this um, underground base in uh, New Mexico. Dulce, New Mexico, that's um, run by aliens and humans. Um, okay. And it's, uh, there, I saw like this. Remember Jesse Ventura had that conspiracy show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man. He did an episode about it. And like, he, they did such a great job. Actually, going back and watching it a second time recently, because I hadn't seen it in a long time, mm-hmm. um, it was pretty lousy. But I was super into it when they first did it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Ventura is the most believable conspiracy theorist that's ever lived, in my opinion. He just seems so serious all the time. Yeah, like, and check then, out like, this shit. Like, look at really- look at over here. You can see there's <laughs> the the machine has a dome on the top of it. It's clearly not made by humans. <laughs> like, yeah, you almost want to believe him. 
<laughs> and then like he's just he's always like had awesome roles <laughs> like yeah like just in acting and wrestling and oh, man and governor, he was like he was a freaking governor like yeah and a pretty good one too <laughs> i mean depending on who you talk to i guess but <laughs> yeah so yeah <laughs> but yeah it's cool <laughs> so uh where were we Oh my god, my ADD is running rampant. Yeah, right. I think we were talking about your 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 trip to see Jawbreaker. Yeah, Jawbreaker out and um, yeah, it was uh, with uh, War on Women open for them. Oh, cool! Uh, so that was pretty badass. Um, actually, that was one. So watching sitting before that because I always get the things early, especially if I'm from out of town and I don't know where something's at. Um, right. So like they had like these big ads that would flash on the screen before they came out. Um, and that was the first time that like, I saw an ad on the screen for a punk rock flea market. There's one, uh, Trenton, the Trenton punk rock flea market out there. Um, and that was like, the, I was like watching that and I was like, oh shit, I should be selling stuff at punk rock flea markets. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, there's not enough of them in the Midwest. Right before COVID, there was one that I loved in Chicago that I did. It was, it was a great time. Um, but I need to. Maybe you should start it up again. <laughs> Actually, I do know the person that runs it, and I need to bug her about it again and see if anything's going to happen with it. But yeah, you should make that happen. Man, it is so Welcome. much work doing that stuff, though. Like I did a Zine Fest. I worked with a couple guys on setting up a Zine Fest locally. Um, Very cool. Probably, uh, probably six years ago now or something. And it was so much fucking work. It was like another full time job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every time I set up a show, I'm like, oh yeah, I have to, I have to go to work too. This, this yeah. is not easy. <laughs> and have a, like, I had a family, like it was just a lot. So yeah, I, for sure. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's why you need a team, right? Was that? That's why you need a team. Yeah. True. <laughs> uh, so, how was the uh, the Jawbreaker show? Was it everything you dreamed? It was. It always is. Nice. <laughs> So at that point, I had never saw them when they were originally around. Um, so at that point, I'd seen them. I, I was at the reunion show when they played Riot Fest in uh, 2017. And then they came back and they uh, played the Aragon Ballroom, saw them there. And then there was a little bit of a lull. And then they announced, like, uh, I think six shows around, around Jersey, New York. I think maybe it was one in Philadelphia or something. Like, they were just kind of doing the area. And I was like, shit, I need to get out there. So uh, when the tickets went on sale, I just bought the tickets with no like real plans for how I was going to go or who I was going to go with. And then um, then I started seeing my girlfriend. And then I was like, it was like two weeks later. I was like, you want to go across country with me? <laughs> so there you go. She was all in. So nice. <laughs> it was a great time. Meant to be. <laughs> Yeah. When a girl decides to go with a strange man across the country to see a punk rock concert, you know, you know, it's, it's love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Very cool. So have they put out new music or is it just the same stuff that you got into when you were young? It's so far, it's the same stuff. Um, Blake did a, actually there's a comic called um, the, the furthest place from here, um, which is actually the title is based on a lyric from one of their songs. Um, cool. but it's, a, it's put out by image comics and every oh. month well supposedly every month it comes out with there's a version that comes with a seven inch because of the vinyl shortage i've only seen two of those so far but right. <laughs> the first one had blake from jawbreaker um playing um he did a cover of the song all night long oh um, cool and uh, it's, uh who was that was that the commodores it might have been i'm not i'm not sure i think it was, it's, it's fun. Oh, the Commodores were Lionel. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's like, I think that's the only like really new thing that's come from any of them since they've, there's been talk about, um, you know, they, they, they've posted things about writing music and stuff here and there, like little comments. Um, but. So what's your feeling on the changing of the guard? Cause it really feels like there is sort of a shift happening that punk rock is returning in a way, but it's not it, the old, the old ways are being uh, left behind to some degree. So what's, what's your feeling on that? Do you feel like this is a good thing or, you know, these young kids, they don't know what they're missing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm into it. Like I love finding new stuff. I love 
there's a lot of new stuff out there and mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of good stuff like and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff with purpose now like i think that there wasn't a lot for a while there was like in the george bush years there was some stuff going on yep and then things kind of lost which was really irritating to me as somebody who follows politics somewhat which I'm not going to get too deep into politics because that's boring as fuck. <laughs> but depending uh, on what you talk about, well, yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. <laughs> uh, but like, there was so much that that could have been protested, and so like with great songs and great music. After that, a lot of the same stuff didn't change, yeah. and um, so that always kind of irked me that there there was kind of a big lull after after that. Yeah, um, you've ever seen the movie SLC Punk? Yeah. Yeah, there's this line in it that I always remember. Uh, Matt Lillard, the, the main actor, plays the main protagonist. He says, um, he's talking about like there's a certain formula required for, for punk rock to thrive. Um, and in oppressive societies, he says it comes like fire. And I feel like there was a, I agree, there was a lot of stuff to argue and, and disagree with that was happening in um you know, what is fondly known as the Obama years. But um, I think it, there was a bit of a rose colored glasses situation going on. It was very similar to like, you know, the, the LBJ days where it seemed like things were taking a turn for a bet for the better after some dark periods. But meanwhile, there was a lot of, you know, shady shit happening in the background. Right. Um, but now it's all out in the open. Like it feels like, you know, broad strokes, again, don't want to get into politics. I'm with you. But broad strokes, I would say that it feels like a lot of stuff that was happening behind the curtain is now like being the spotlight is on it. And they're like, -na 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 -na. like they don't care anymore. Right. There's a, a, a growing anger. And, you know, when I was saying that the scene in Toronto has has uh, really like found its stride uh, in the last episode. I think that this is a major factor in it is that there's this unresolved resentment and frustration with the way things are developing and it needs an outlet. And when I was a kid, a mosh pit was a great outlet because you can't, like, we couldn't vote, you know, we couldn't do anything to like, our parents wouldn't even listen to us when we were like, you know, the planet's going to be on fire. And, you know, eventually <laughs> what's that? They still won't. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, they're still like, shop, kid. I'm like, I'm 40, dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think there, there's a there's a, uh, a a unity of purpose that's happening with our age and the generations uh, following us, actually, where we're all kind of all in agreement that, you know, shit's fucked. And mm -hmm. and um, if we can't do something about it, we're going to at least dance uh, right. our rage, you know? I find that a lot, a lot of it, um, a lot of the female fronted bands are really putting out like really powerful stuff. That is blown up right now. Mm -hmm. um, one of the festivals we did here that we did all the filming for, it's on the YouTube channel for Primal Note. Uh, it was called Bitch Fest. And uh, shout out to Ashley Katia. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> um, you can find all our videos on primalnote.com or on our YouTube channel, Primal Note. Um, uh, Bitch Fest in particular was was awesome. So it's put on to, uh, by a group called Save Toronto Music Venues, which is uh, when when it started, it was all female. Uh, the 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 management team, the the, the organizers, and uh, basically the the idea was that no one, no one gave a shit about the music scene here when when COVID hit, and so all these venues were struggling to keep their doors open, and uh, or doors closed even in that case. And uh, so they basically, as soon as we were able to have shows, they immediately started organizing and getting all their friends together to, to, to get bands on stage and get crowds out. And it really like saved the, the music scene in Toronto. Um, I think that group in particular made a huge impact. And like, I think they're going to be a group that people talk about here in Toronto in the, in the future. Like that was a touchstone moment, you know? That's awesome. Um, but uh, at one point, they were planning on on putting on a bunch more shows and getting involved in some other music festivals and that kind of stuff to kind of like create a little bit of a collaborative experience. And the uh, the the main brains behind uh, Save Toronto Music Venues, a girl named Ashley, 
and uh, she uh, reached out to one of the one of the festivals and was like, "Hey, we got some bands that are interest, interested in playing. Do you have some time?" And they said, "Sorry, we have enough female bands." <laughs> and she was like, "Fucking excuse me? Yeah, Do you have enough male bands? Like, what right. the fuck is that? Right? Like, who cares if they're female? You know?" So that kind of inspired her. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to do an all-female music festival. So it was all-female bands or female-fronted bands. Um, and they're amazing. Yeah. And, like, some of the heaviest shit I've heard in years came out of these these shows, man. Like, I think uh, the uh, the females in the punk scene have been waiting in the wings for a moment. And this is their moment. And, goddamn, I, I just wish it happened earlier, man. Right. That's one of the takeaways just uh, from last week, talking about some of our favorite music, their favorite mm -hmm. recent music. We all had female fronted bands pretty much like. Yep. Interrupters. Multiple. Yeah. Uh, spirit uh, sprints. Yeah. The sprints, yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah. Wet leg. Yeah. Some of the, some of the Toronto bands that like, there's a, there's a crazy, do you ever listen to every time I die? No. They're, uh, they're based in Buffalo and they're, they're like, um, Southern hardcore, I would describe them. They got kind of a bluesy thing going on, but they're real heavy. And the the lead singer has one of the best screams, I think, in in the business. <laughs> um, they're fantastic. Uh, they broke up recently, actually. The lead singer had a bit of a thing, and it ended. It seems badly, yeah. <laughs> but uh, their early shit's fantastic. And uh, um, I think I, I don't want to get into this too much on this podcast, but uh, I think you know about my experience with uh, police at the G20 protest in uh in toronto in 2010 uh -huh. where uh you know i got my ass kicked by the cops i ended up being on the front cover of one of the every time i die albums because i was wearing the oh. t-shirt and someone caught the shot it was it was a wild thing anyway wow. one of the bands that's uh coming up here called uh strange limbs you should definitely give them a listen uh they've got an every time i die kind of feel to them three piece guitarist with a bunch of cool ass pedals drummer and a female singer, uh, screamer, I should say. Man, these guys, they shred. Like, they're fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, I guess back to the travel tour stuff. <laughs> right. You have, uh, <laughs> you have uh, any, any trips you've taken to? I have one crazy trip. Um the show was great and the trip there wasn't anything to speak of, but it was the trip home. That was a little insane. Um, so, uh, Chuck Pino was actually part of this story. Oh. So, um, a friend of ours, a mutual friend, uh, was in a band called fire hydrant way back in the day. They actually just reunited. And I think they're starting to, to oh, put some music together again. Um, and I was a huge fan of fire hydrant back in the day. They were like, um, I don't know how to describe them post-punk i guess sort of in the emo zone for a bit um cool shit though and uh i went to see one of their shows at the elma combo it's a legendary music venue here in toronto the rolling stones used to play it that kind of thing it's like kind of the cbgb's of toronto okay and um yeah we went there we watched the show and uh we were all it, it was charlie's uh firstborn's uh birthday the next day so the plan was we were all going to go. We were going to see Fire Hydrant. And then we had a ride home. Someone had a van. And we were all going to get a ride back to Charlie's. And then in the morning, we were going to have a birthday party. Um, and uh, it was also kind of around my birthday as well. So we were going to kind of celebrate everything together. It's going to be fun. So anyway, show ends. And we uh, we leave the, the venue and go out to the, the van we're all going to get in together. And someone had tried to hotwire it. And ripped all the wires out and so we're not getting home wow so not to mention that a bunch of cash got stolen so like mm -hmm. a bunch of us didn't have any money so we have to get it's probably like an hour drive maybe a little more than that uh to where chuck was living at the time so we got to figure out a way to get uh you know an hour away um without a car and Luckily, there's some transit uh, north of Toronto, but not a lot. So anyway, there's this one guy, kind of sketchy dude, 
who like said he's like oh if we can get to such and such place then we can get my truck and then everybody can go from there we were like okay we just got to figure out our way there so we started taking the bus uh and um you know on young street uh which is the main street in toronto when you're heading north if you're on it after one o'clock they call it the vomit comet oh um because there's no other transit in the city and uh you know obviously it's it's a little sketchy when everybody's drunk so uh, it's, it's avoided at all costs. Anyway, so we're on the vomit comet and I had my djembe with me, my hand drum, because I was going to play a little bit for, uh, uh, Chuck's kid's birthday. Uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm on there and this guy's like, Hey man, do you play? And I was like, yeah, I play a little bit. I didn't know how to play very much at the time. This is like years and years ago, 15 years ago, something like that. And, uh, I was like, yeah, not much, but you know, and he's like, come on, lay down a beat. And I start, I start, I pull it out. I start playing a little bit. And, uh, this guy starts rapping and like scatting on top of it. And it sounded fucking amazing. So Charlie stands up in the middle of this and throws his hat down. He's like, come on people, let's get some cash going. So we were throwing change in. We ended up paying for like part of a cab with the change oh, wow. that we made off of it. Uh, and then when we got to the end of the, the, the transit line we had to take a cab to get to the next town so we figured out our cash situation got in the cabs but the sketchy dude he's like oh yeah no don't go to he's like i'm gonna go pick up my truck at such and such place i'll meet you guys at another place and we were i was like okay no problem i'm young stupid naive i don't really know i'm like okay sure we'll go meet you there and so i go with my friends like charlie is like that doesn't make any sense. I'm going straight to where that truck is. This is dumb. So he goes straight there, and uh, he gets there ahead of this dude. And the and you know, dude gets arrives, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" And Chuck's like, "We're here to get our ride home." And he looks a little perturbed, but he gets gets them in the truck, and uh, they're about to head out of town. And he's like, "No, no, no, no! You got to pick up our other friends." So meanwhile, myself and a friend of mine are standing in the middle of a mall parking lot at three o'clock in the morning in the cold, just like, I hope someone comes to get us <laughs> end up rolling up and we're in a truck. So at this point in, in the night, you can't really have a pile of people in the back of a truck. Uh, if the cops see you, you're going to get pulled oh, over. Yeah, yeah. And the driver, I'm not sure he should be driving at this point. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so what we had to do is we all, there was like, so I'm six foot four just for context. And there was like okay. two other tall people and then a bunch of short chubby folks. So we all five of us had to cram ourselves in the back of this truck bed and lay down. So we couldn't be seen. It looked like a, like a, a human Jenga. It was <laughs> wild. And so we're all kind of like piled on top of each other in various awkward ways. And the car goes off and I, you ever have you ever like not been able to see a speedometer, but you feel like we're speeding right now? Right. That was definitely happening. <laughs> and it was freezing cold. So like we're all freezing and our pants are starting to pull up. So we're tucking oh, each other's socks into or like pants into our socks for each other because we can't reach anything. We can't bend over. And then we started singing songs. And uh, and just like I think there was a joint that got passed around at one point because we were like fuck it I mean who cares if we get pulled over we're screwed anyway we might as well be high <laughs> and uh, yeah we didn't get home until like four o'clock in the morning and uh, we were up at nine a.m. to celebrate a birthday the next day so that was pretty epic uh, you know trip home Charlie can probably fill in a bunch of blanks because I wasn't there for for half of his yeah. side. I've had nights like that where everybody's kind of got their parts of the story. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That, that sounds like some kind of like movie from the nineties. You know, like it, it sucked, but as soon as we got inside, uh, like into Charlie's apartment and all sat down and told the babysitter, cause the babysitter was a friend of ours. We told the babysitter the story. Like by the time we were done the story, we were like, this one's going to stick around for a while. Like, <laughs> We have a story like that with my friends where we went to this um, abandoned insane asylum nearby. Mm. Actually, live closer to it now than we did back then. But uh, actually, most of it's torn down now, too. But um, we we went there this one night and it was a wild night. Like my actually, I wrote about it in Blister. So you'll, you'll read it eventually. Nice. But, um, I, one of my stories is about 95 percent that story. But um, 
like we were like there we were inside and the police showed up and like kids Ooh. like they weren't with us like came running out of this building and booking it one of my uh my buddy's brothers ran back into the building while we were all running away to get to um, our minivan i think it was a minivan at the time um and I, I saw him running away so i like went and like chased after him make sure he wasn't abandoned alone and after that it was like us like just sneaking along this insane asylum um the outside the inside a little bit just trying to figure out how the hell to get home um and it was We're stranded yeah um we ended up we found out that actually so his brother uh who's one of my best friends he actually ended up parking somewhere else and came back for us um with the police like crawling this place um but then like by the time we it was funny because when we finally got home he had his story of walking around the place alone looking for us we had our story of sneaking around the place with the police shining lights. Like there was a point where we were going across this field that was between these two buildings and the spotlight came across and I, the, uh, <laughs> the guy that I was with was like, Oh shit. And I dropped to the ground and I hit him in the shin and he dropped to the ground with me and we laid there flat. And I was in my head. I'm like, I was, I'm mean, a big dude. Like I'm like, I look like a big fucking lump of fucking laundry or something. Like I busted. the spotlight went over came back and we got up and booked it <laughs> yeah holy it was, shit it was like i don't know it was at least two or three hours of that before we finally ran into my buddy and um made our way back to his car but he like while he was looking for us he ran into some ghost hunters who played like audio for him from the area this isn't a true story i know right um meanwhile my sister was with us her and two of our other friends, uh, I think it was just, they were all, yeah, it was three, so three, the three females that were there, they took off in the car and um, they like got, they actually got pulled over by the police. They pretended that they were lost and they got directions out wow. to the town and they got the fuck home. <laughs> like, it was Jeez. just like everybody had all kinds of like wildness. It was. Did you see any wild shit? I mean, other than the cops and everything, like, I mean, like, did you, did you run into any strange old men with scraggly beards? No, but the place itself was creepy as hell. Like there's, there's tunnels underneath the insane asylum that um, connect between the buildings. So like if we went downstairs to one and like, when you start going down there, there's like chairs and stuff. Like there's always, there's rumors around that, like inmates or not, uh, patients, I guess, um, came back. What's the difference at this were, point, right? Yeah. They were basically uh, a lot of them were dispersed into the community. Uh, like there's a big mental health need here, uh, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of facilities for it here now, too. But um, there, so like there was like stories that they they would come back and live in basically the ruins. Um, but yeah, it was it was a wild night. But it, it reminds me of that. There's like just if you made a movie about it, it would be like three different stories going on. Um, yeah, they all connected back, and actually when we connected back. We connected back at my parents' house, um, and God, I don't, I don't know if they were there or not. I don't remember because um, it seems weird. There was like ten of us in the front room when we all met back up, um, but we all got back together in two different cars and went out to another like paranormal spot. Like we were just like, "Fuck it, let's go!" And, really, um, just went out to the next. <laughs> yeah. Where was the next one? Was it was it just boring? Um, it was so. There's like this cemetery, and it's one of those cemeteries where the story is: if you stop the car. Um, and turn off your engine um some handprints appear on the bumper and your car will move mm -hmm. i don't know we we stopped there turn off the engine we heard like a lot of clicking and things around us but we were like is that just something the car does i don't know i've never like stopped and listened in a creepy cemetery before <laughs> like it could be a cat you don't know right so yeah. i can't say one way or another if anything was going on there you but, that um it Sometimes <laughs> I've seen some weird stuff, man. I'll tell you a story. Uh, I can't even verify the story anymore because uh, the only people that, that saw this were me and my stepdad. My stepdad's no longer with us, mm -hmm. but I swear to you, this is true. I don't know what to think of it, but I was eight years old and we had just moved into a new uh, townhouse and it was near the beach. 
Um, so I lived in a town called Jackson's Point, and there was a lake there called Lake Simcoe. And uh, this little house that we uh, had rented was maybe a five minute walk when I was eight, when I was like this big, you know what I mean? So it was like, you know, two steps away. And uh, it must have been second or third night there. We hadn't been there long. We didn't have cable. I know that because I was watching Big Trouble in Little China on the antenna. And uh, out of nowhere, we heard this really strange noise. I can't even describe what it was. It was like a low hum, but it wasn't like this was um, let me think if I was eight years old, this was this was 91. So like there's no Wi-Fi, there's no 5G, right. you know, like you're lucky if your phone works. So uh, no idea what the sound was. And then there was this flash of light uh, like towards the lake and all four of my family members, my mom, my dad, my sister, and I all were like, what the hell was that? We all ran to the, to the, you know, sliding glass doors to the backyard and we're like looking out and didn't see anything. Um, like there was a sort of like dissipating light on, in the distance, but this is the middle of the night. So like, there should be no dissipating light anywhere. Again, 91. It's not like there was a lot of, you know, urbanization going on at that time. Right. It's very strange. But anyway, my, Mom and sister, of course, were just like, eh, let's just go back to watching the movie. And they both sat down. And my dad and I were standing there just like looking out there, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And then out of nowhere, like we hear, we hear, and then the house starts rattling. And we're like, what is going on? And then out of nowhere, we saw these two shadows just like right across towards the lake. Didn't see any track lights, nothing. But they were helicopters and they were low enough that they shook the house. Like uh, they, it looked like they were riding the tree line. And no idea what happened after that. My dad and I looked at each other and he was like, aliens. And then we yeah. both went. And <laughs> 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 yeah, I swear to you that happened. I have no idea what that was about. Me and a buddy, um, when we were kids, we swore we had a UFO experience. We were just on the corner um, outside my house, like two houses down on the corner talking and like, all of a sudden, like the woods behind us, like lit up. Um, and for the longest time, we talked about it being aliens. When I think back, there was like a line of there's a few hand, well, a good chunk of trees, but then there was like this drive where people would go back and like dump like old washing machines and shit. <laughs> like it was mm -hmm. this, um, like this dirt area. And so now that I'm an adult, I think like well maybe it was headlights or something like it was yeah. unusual, but um, I do. So I do have a, this was totally not the topic, but ghosts are interesting. Hey, so. Whatever <laughs> it was. Um, so probably four years ago, I was at a buddy's house um, and we were having some drinks, not a ton, but I was um, heading, I was staying in Indiana at the time. I was, um, I headed out like right around midnight driving down the road into the country. It was about an hour drive from there where I was staying. And uh, there's a, there's about, I don't know, not too far, about a handful of blocks away from my buddy. There's the cemetery. Mm -hmm. I was driving by it and it was pouring rain. Like that was actually, I was leaving because the weather was supposed to get really bad. Um, and it was already raining at that point. It was pouring pretty good driving by. And there was this, woman walking along the cemetery in a white dress and, <laughs> and so i was like i i i drove past actually i just i drove past and then i was, was like, her hair in her face was she no. like this <laughs> I, I i had barely just seen her like to my left yeah. like while i was driving um but i was like dang it is really pouring out here i should see if she needs help so i drove down the street Turned around, oh, you sweet uh, innocent victim of every movie ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> I uh, so I turned around in this like um, farm. There's like this farm thing, whatever. Turned around in the parking lot, came back down. I pulled up alongside and I said, "Hey, do you need a lift somewhere?" Because it wasn't like I don't know. A handful of blocks down was like a gas station and stuff. Right. Uh, so, anyways, um, she like just she kept walking and she turned to me and said, "Thank you, but no, sir." And um, no, she, she didn't actually look at me. I don't think it's, it's foggy. Anyways, I kept going, and then I was like, "Okay," 
And then I drove down actually to that gas station that I was talking about. I um, went in and got a coffee because there's like a cop sitting over there and I had just been drinking a little bit. It wasn't, mm-hmm. a, but I was like, I got a little nervous about that. Anyways, I yeah, grabbed sure. the coffee, uh, filled up my gas tank, headed back out. Um, and then she wasn't there on that road anymore, um, which hmm. there's other roads along there. She could have turned, but I was like driving along and I hadn't thought too much about it. And then I was like, that was weird. Wasn't it <laughs> like in my head? And so, um, I actually called up, uh, my, my friend, Jess Rogie, um, that I hosted that show with. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, let me tell you about something that just happened. Like she's in LA. So I knew she was still awake. <laughs> um, right. And I told her about it, and she was like, "Eric, you just had a ghost experience." And I was like, "Did I? I don't know. It's fun though." <laughs> I want to. I want to find what time period it was that everybody that died was wearing a white dress, right? <laughs> you know, like it seems like did people just die in their sleep and they're all wearing nightgowns? What was going on? Yeah, like ghosts don't come back in like tube tops and shit. All right, uh, I have. I guess this is the topic of our podcast now. So I have one more story and then maybe we should wrap it up. Talk about some music a little bit or something. Yeah, I do. I have a vacation video to show. That's, that's always fun. That's right. Okay. <laughs> maybe we'll save this story for another time. No, you go ahead. Cause it's kind of, okay. Okay. It's a little, it's a little complicated. So house I uh, moved into that I lived in for 10 years when I was a kid, we moved there when I was nine. So the year after the helicopter thing, um, move into this house and there's this empty lot next door. Okay. So it's all overgrown and there's this old rickety shed in the back. And there, the only path in this property is a driveway that connects my street with the street basically behind my house. Um, so it was like my house. And then there was another house that backed onto ours and a fence separated our yards kind of thing. And the same thing happened next door, but they had a pathway that connected the two streets. So anyway, this place creeped me right out because I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like the first week that we lived there. I had this crazy dream that um, someone was breaking into my house. So I had to go save my sister, make sure she was okay. I was like, my parents will be fine. I have to take care of my sister. So I would run in her room, wake her up grab her and take her down to the garage. And I open the door. My sister goes in. I turn around, I close the door behind me. And when I turn back around, the garage is empty. There's nobody and nothing in it. But at the far end, we just had a big garage door. And then there's this little like standard like house door right next to it that doesn't exist in real life. And went over and opened the door and I'm out in my front yard. So, I go out to the edge of the street and it's a night, you know, evening. Uh, It's a cool breeze. Like it feels real. It feels more real than a dream, if you know what I mean. And I feel this urge. I have to go down that pathway into the empty lot next door. So I start heading down that path. And out of the shed come these like glowing white spirit. Like you remember Mr. Burns in that episode with I bring you love. (laughs) they look just like that this is long before the simpsons ever did that um and they all come out and they surround me and they start grabbing my clothes and pulling at me and going help us help us you need to help us and i freaked out and like ran like pushed them all away and ran to the other side of the pathway um and when i looked back they were standing right at the edge of the property line and just staring at me and then i woke up freaked me right out yeah. Now, in retrospect, I was probably just scared to death of that that lot. But I had that dream like every other day for like six months. Wow. And then it became slightly less frequent over the years, but it still kept coming up. It was the same dream every time I'd have to save my sister, run out into the front of my house, go down the pathway. It got to the point where it was so kind of like routine for me that I'd be like, okay, I guess this is where they come out. And then I'm going to run away and like look back and then I wake up again. You know, like it just got boring. Yeah. So anyway, flash forward, I'm 14, six years later. And uh, this construction company has moved in next door and they're about to build a property. So they're clearing the space. So uh, my stepdad goes over, talks to the, the owner of the company 
and uh, asks, you know, do you need a shithead to uh, keep out of trouble for the summer? And, uh, you know, basically convinces this guy to hire me so that I can learn some trade. Um, so that night I had the dream one last time. I go down the, the pathway, the spirits all come out and uh, I turned into an animal, a wolf. And they all kind of backed up. It was the first time that it, they'd ever reacted in any way to me. And they all backed up. And then I kind of like walked through them and then turned around and looked back. And instead of standing there looking at me, they all had their heads hanging and they walked back into the shed. And the next day we knocked that shed down and I never had the dream again. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the property that my stuff, that my house was built on that entire neighborhood was built on a swamp that they used to dump bodies in back in the day. So I found that out many years later. And then I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) So I don't know, man, I'm, I'm agnostic about all this stuff. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's wild. Weird ass dream, though. Especially a dream that you have like a hundred times. Like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. So, I uh, I can show this video. It's yeah, please. A couple minutes long. It's uh, just a lot of glimpses of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and then I did a little bit of voiceover on it. So, uh, cool. Here we go. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio is a badass destination for any music fan. I've been there a couple times. Last time there was an exhibit for the end of the band's Warped Tour. This time I was there as a Foo Fighters fan. I had to see their part of the exhibit before they cleared it out to make room for the 2022 inductees. As I said, there is something there for everyone. Classic rock, R&B, punk, blues, rap, whatever. It's an amazing shrine to the history of music in this past century, and no stone has been left unturned. The punk in me loved seeing things like Joey Ramone's jacket, Joe Strummer's guitar, and the CBGB awning. The Chicago in me enjoyed items from Smashing Pumpkins and one of my favorite venues, the Metro. Another fun one was the handwritten lyrics to No Sleep Till Brooklyn on the back of a Tide detergent stationery piece. They even have an entire section where musicians can stop and show off their skills. And if you go, make sure you check out the theater where they show clips from previous inductee ceremony concerts. It's the most badass theater I've ever been in. I already can't wait to go back. So my voiceover was done first thing in the morning. So I was still kind of asleep, I guess. <laughs> One of the coolest places. I've... I'm sorry. I, didn't, I hadn't listened to it since I made it. That's funny. Um, <laughs> That's okay, man. Like we had oh, neighbors upstairs cool. at our, uh, our Airbnb. We had neighbors upstairs. And then my girlfriend was like in the next room. So I was like, just uh, anyway. <laughs> cool, man. No, it was, uh, man, I, I really want to go now, honestly. Yeah, that place is awesome. Like we, so last time we went was, um, ugh, I don't know, maybe three years ago or something, um, like before COVID, and um, the so like at that time they had the Van, Van's Warp tour was ending, so they had an exhibit about that, um, and then they had fifty years of Woodstock going on, and um, wow. so like the very like one of the very first items, it was kind of weird. Cause it was like the section about Woodstock. One of the very first items was actually um, like green day stuff. There was uh Billy Joe Armstrong shoes from 94, like 94. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, gosh, there's a couple other things from them. Speaking of, have you seen that documentary on Woodstock 99? You know, I saw there was one on Hulu before the latest mm. one. Um, and I saw that one like a couple years ago. And I heard about the new one, but I was like, I already heard all this stuff on the Hulu one. But um, it's messed up. Uh, so for anybody that hasn't seen the Hulu one, Netflix has uh, a documentary on Woodstock 99 called Trainwreck. Man, oh man. I remember watching that shit on Much Music when I was a kid. And there was a lot more going on than I thought. But even as a little kid watching that, I was like, yeah, you know, I when I found out that the water was like five dollars a bottle, I was like, yeah, I'd set that shit on fire, too. <laughs> but man, like seeing seeing that documentary, it just kind of hammered home for me that like. You know what we were aiming for as fans of music when we were young was uh, a like a free space to explore. And what we were given was a casino. And yeah. that was that was no more apparent uh, to me than in Woodstock 99. And it kind of it reinforced for me how important it is that like what happens now has uh, grassroots uh, approach to it because yeah. um, it's so easy for music to get co-opted. You know, mm -hmm. that was the reminder for me was that like it can easily become a commercial enterprise and, uh, you know, everybody should make money for sure. But it's yeah. like the goal should be making a uh, putting on a killer show. And and like and having community like yeah. if you have a really strong community around something like that, you're not going to have. I mean, there was like an epidemic of like rape and stuff at that thing. Like it was horrible. Like, yeah, and compare it to Burning Man, where no piece of trash is left on the ground before everybody leaves. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just, that's an and I'm not I've never been I'm not a burner, right? But like, right. there is a culture there, there is a community there. They like everybody I've talked to that's gone to Burning Man, they have like a religious look in their eyes when they talk about it, and that doesn't happen because you know of a bunch of cool DJs. It's like there's something else happening there that's human centric. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, a lot of the conflict and struggle that we've been through in the last, I'll say, 20 years. Um, if if we're going to be um, smart about it, we're we're going to take this as a lesson that like people have to come first. It has mm -hmm. to be about, you know, being being a unit, being a team. Yeah, because like it was very clear watching that Woodstock documentary that. There was team burn it down. <laughs> that was about it at the end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But the, yeah, the, the Woodstock exhibit was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So this year they had, um, like I was, I was there as a Foo Fighters fan, like about a hundred percent. And uh, the, uh, like their exhibit was cool. I mean, they, they have the inductee exhibit. So um there was like uh, like craft work was uh, one LL Cool J. Oh, cool. There was like this maybe like six inductees or so in this, yeah. this section, and they each had like I don't know like maybe a six foot section. Um, so, um, so that was that was really cool. Um, but they also had like uh, so that well in December that uh, that Beatles documentary came out, um, like twelve hour documentary. Right. Um, that so they had a whole exhibit on that, and it was kind of cool watching. Like you watched parts of it there and they had like um, the screens, they did some really cool stuff with screens. Um, like, like when you watch them on the rooftop, they have like simultaneously, they're showing like what the police are doing, like trying to figure out how to get up oh, there cool. and stuff. Like, um, so was, they did a lot of like cool juxtaposition like that in that exhibit. Very cool. um, Didn't you two rip that off? Yeah. Except for they got shut down um, pretty quick, I think. Hmm. There's yeah. a couple of times where people tried to. Do you remember that music video for Sleep Now in the Fire by Rage Against the Machine? Did you ever see that? I might have, but I don't recall now. It was directed by Michael Moore. This is oh. way before Bowling for Columbine. This is the early days. Um, and he's a good they fit for them. what's that? He's a pretty good fit for them, though. Like, he was always 
like on that. Yeah. Yep. 100%. So this was, let me think. This must have been just before 9 11. Uh, I think it was 2000. Uh, and uh, they basically had uh, an entire concert that they did not have like permits for or nothing like that. And they basically just went straight to Wall Street, set up a stage, and started playing Rage Against the Machine in front of Wall Street uh. with a huge crowd. And the police ended up having to shut them down. Um, but uh, basically, Michael Moore just like created. Do you remember in the uh, the '60s they had this thing called Happenings? I learned about this in art history. Mm. It's kind of a weird thing. So this is a moment where performance art started becoming a big deal. You know, it was during the beat poetry moment. Uh huh. And uh, so what would happen is there would be these uh, collectives of, of um, sort of social commentary artists that would put together like events that would happen in public that no one would know was happening. And they would just sort of arrive at a subway station or, uh, you know, like in a mall or something like that. And they would do this thing that was like uh, an artistic sort of performance and, uh, not document anything, just like have it happen, see how people react and then just dissipate. And this was very much like a happening where it's like nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden there was a giant crowd in the stage and like, fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. how the Beatles one was um, too. Like they were up there and they're just playing and then people are just kind of stopping. And it's really funny. I, had, I turned to my girlfriend and I was like, cause they kept showing like these, it would always be like this old white guy would walk up, and like start complaining. And yeah. I was like, man, old white guy's been ruining this stuff forever. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Shh. We're becoming old white guys. Keep it on the DL. At least for another 20 years. <laughs> I, I so we went to the um we went to the Mansfield prison. Uh or ran Mansfield Reformatory. It's where they filmed Shawshank Redemption. Okay, cool. Um, so we went there uh, the other day. And I made a joke. Uh, the, the girl asked, any discounts, any military? Or And I turned to my girlfriend. I said, senior almost. And then she gave me the senior discount. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was walking away and I looked at my receipt. And I was like, oh, my gosh. She just gave me the senior discount. <laughs> you are a rude young lady. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like I want, I, this is the second time in the last couple of years that somebody from the newest generation, the Zennials or whatever, has done this to me. And both times I'm kind of mixed. I'm like, well, I mean, they didn't save me money. <laughs> yeah. I, I say lean in. <laughs> Whatever. I've got the opposite problem. Uh, People think I'm 25. And they're like, oh, you know, you'll understand when you're older. I'm like, <laughs> dude, I think I'm older yeah. than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I had another video that I was going to show, but maybe I'll save it for another time. It was just sure. a, a record store visit, but there's always cool. time for well, that. Why don't we do that next next week or next episode? We can do uh, favorite record stores. Yeah, we can talk about some record stores in our areas and where we've been. Sweet. Uh, any, any bands or news you want to shout out before we wrap this up? No, I mean, if you're uh, watching as a Muckspout uh, fan that backed Blister... I now have all three of my books. They came in while I was out of town. Um, nice. So I'm uh, pretty awesome. stoked to start shipping those out. Uh, I'm going to start on that this week. It's going to take a little Wicked. while to process everything, but I'm I'm real stoked about that. Very cool. And then, Very uh, cool. And then I guess uh, I do have the uh, – let me find the graphic for it. Punk the Burbs is still coming up uh, September 30th in awesome. Lyle, Illinois. Uh, so – it was fun watching, um, walking around. So, like at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there's like, I spent a little bit of time in the Midwest room and stuff. And they had one of the posters mm -hmm. with like from like, God, sometime in the '80s, and it had the bull weevils on it. And I was like, hey, they're on that, they're they're on our thing. Like, I just I forget like how long certain bands have been around. Like, yeah, man, still out there kicking ass. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's amazing. Uh, I actually have a, a show I want to shout out as well. I'll uh, I'll hook you up with a graphic for for next week. Cool. Uh, September 16th, Gusapalooza for any any GTA people, Greater Toronto Area folks. Um, it's going to be in Cookstown, uh, which is a small town just outside of Toronto. 
big, big festival. It's so much fun. And we're playing Friday Pioneer Anomaly, my space punk band. We'll be playing Friday at 6.30 p.m. Um, so uh, come with earplugs or uh, Kleenex for after they start after your ears start bleeding. <laughs> awesome. If you want to send me that information, I can plug it into the show notes on that. Oh, page. yeah. Cool. I'll hook that up. All right. Well, um, missed John this week, but I uh, had a yeah. good time chatting with you. Yeah, uh, same, man. So next time the plan is in uh, two weeks from yesterday, I guess we're gonna mm -hmm. have uh, Chuck Pino and Sean Barber on talking about their comic <sighs> Belial. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Chuck's not gonna say a word. <laughs> no, you know? he doesn't like being live at all. <laughs> no, he doesn't talk. He's so quiet. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. They have the the comic is very music. Uh, influenced oh hell yeah yeah so that'll be that'll be fun to talk about yeah how that works totally cool well thanks for listening everybody um muckspot.com if you want some more um stuff to check out last week's episode